0: Tonight on Arena, celebrating and remembering the life and work of Sydney Poitier and Hilary Rose on the treaty debates, Smother and the Young Offenders. 51551 is the text. You can tweet the programme at RTE Arena. News came through today that the great Hollywood actor Sidney Poitier died he was a trailblazer as a black actor in a very white industry in the heat of the night the Defiant Ones and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner are among his standout performances with me this evening is Stephen Benedict who only last night helped us to say goodbye to another Hollywood legend Peter Bogdanovich now while colourblind casting may be more common in films today most recently for example The Tragedy of Macbeth with Denzel Washington and other black actors in the leading roles this certainly was not the case of Hollywood in Poitier's early days, uh, and and Stephen, it is ironic. I think when you were talking about Peter Bogdanovich last night, you said some of the greats that are still with us, and Sidney Poitier was in that list.
1: Yeah, we were talking. Uh, the piece that I was actually doing was about Stanislavski and method acting, and um, Sidney Poitier was. Um, he didn't begin at the Actors Studio in New York, but that was he he sort of, um, supplemented his studying his craft when he went there. So he, we, we did mention his name. Thinking he was alive and well and celebrating his great work, and then sadly today.
0: You know, for, for, he's, a no, he's a name that will be well known to listeners of a certain age. Yeah. But there may be those listeners who will say, Sidney Poitier, what is all the fuss about? Sydney, he yeah. really was a, a, a trailblazer.
1: Yeah, I think for young listeners, um, if I were to mention Chadwick Boson, um, Idris Elba, and Denzel Washington, and multiply them all by 10. And then we're sort of getting close to the scale of Poitier's magnitude as an actor. The only thing was that when Poitier started out, he did not have a black role model to follow Mm. in in Hollywood. Uh, He was one of the truly rare figures, I think, whose life transcended his career um, because he campaigned tirelessly uh, for the civil rights movement in the 1950s and 1960s. He also campaigned for better education and health and against poverty. And, you know, he came to prominence, as I said, In the 1950s and 60s, Mm. in an age that isn't too different for ours now, you know, in an age when the very security of the American Union is under threat from extreme white wing forces back in the 50s and 60s who wanted to maintain segregation. And he was marching alongside the likes of Dr. Martin Luther King and other prominent members of the civil rights movement protesting against the Jim Crow laws, which, as we know, were enshrined in the wake of the abolition of slavery to continue slavery by another name and in a very, very diluted version. But the thing for me about Poitier's passing is that he's part of a prominent um, generation of a black American artists who lived beautifully into old
0: age and died peacefully in their beds. Yeah, okay. you, I, I noticed a tweet that you put out today talking about a beautiful life yeah. magnificently lived yeah. because acting, which we will talk about the, those great films, but mm. it was a, a small part of so is life.
1: Yeah, we've got to put it in context. You know, when he arrived in Hollywood, how difficult it was for black actors to even get a support role or even have a few lines on screen. And, you know, just talking about the the generation of the beautiful lives, um, artists such, I mean, we lost Aretha Franklin a couple of years ago, but I'm talking about people like Harry Belafonte. Who was a friend of Poitiers. Exactly. They're all friends of each other. The magnificent genius of Quincy Jones, the musician and the artist and the the producer, the great impresario, Clarence Savant, They did not die young at the end of a gun. Okay. Mm. they have not died destitute they have not died as a result of a drug overdose, overdose I'm talking about Dorothy Danders in 1964 because of the inherited psychological trauma that they inherited we know trauma is inherited they, they inherited from their forefathers who were subject to the terrible abuse and of biggest of society and that is the world that Poitier was born into and that is the world that he dedicated his life to eradicating
0: yeah. and, and, and that's he, beyond his acting and, and also put into this that he came from uh, serious poverty With very little formal education, he couldn't read when he arrived in New York. York, Yeah,
1: I mean the 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 beauty, the stroke of luck that um, started his life. Um, His parents were on holiday from Bahamas. He was his parents were from the from the Bahamas, and he was on holiday in Miami. Sorry, his parents were on holiday in Miami, and his mother was very heavily pregnant. She gave birth to him prematurely, and by by luck of that, he was granted um, automatically granted American citizenship. He grew up then back in the Bahamas, but as you said. Um, in in great poverty he was the the seventh child I think in the family when he went to New York as a teenager um, shortly thereafter he tried to he applied to the African Negro Theatre but they turned him down because he didn't speak American English he spoke with such a heavy accent. Hmm. So he had to go off and learn American English and speak with a New York accent. And when he reapplied, then he was accepted.
0: Uh, and uh, there were early roles in theatre. In fact, he was an understudy, I read, to <laughs> Harry Belafonte. His, his pal at one stage, Belafonte, was sick. Poitiers went on and the rest is history. That's right.
1: And, you know, and a beautiful moment occurred when um, Denzel Washington received his, uh, his Academy Award in 2002 for, for Training Day. That was the same year that Sidney Poitier was given the Lifetime Achievement Award by mm. the Academy. And Denzel said, I'm always chasing you, Sydney. Yeah, Right? So the, the baton is, is, is passed yeah. on.
0: Let's look at some of some of the great work. And I suppose um, Virgil Tibbs in 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 the Heat of the Night. It, this is a huge role. Was a huge role. This was the first him. time I ever saw him. Yeah, and it was. It was, You know, this is the
1: great thing. We've got to understand the the importance of very very liberal progressive writers, directors, and producers in Hollywood. And it's interesting the frequency to which Jewish writers, directors and producers were
0: instrumental in the development of Sidney Poitier's career. Just on, the, on that Jewish side of things he also, Poitier at one point I think it was during that acceptance of the Lifetime Achievement Award that he wanted to thank the Jewish man who taught him how to read He said, I can't remember his name but I will be forever in his, his death. death.
1: Yeah. And you know we have Joseph L. Mankiewicz he cast him very early on in a movie called No Way Out in 1950 where he played a doctor. Um, you've also got Walter Mearish who cast him in In the Heat of the Night and then you've got Stanley Kramer who cast him in The Defiant Ones Liddy's in the Field and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and so these were very very important figures in his career I think whichever one you want to have uh, uh, whatever clip you want to mm. choose from we have maybe the No, no Way Out or the Defiant ones.
0: But let's, let's listen to, to No Way Out and yeah. just give us, so he's playing a doctor here, Dr Luther Brooks, who's dealing with... Uh,
1: Richard Whitmark is a criminal who's brought into the hospital and he's a very, very big as a character and uh, Sydney Poitier has to treat him. But the clip that we have is a conversation that we have with a fellow black actor called Dots Johnson in an elevator. What
0: about that new exam you had to take? I thought you was a regular doctor already. State board? Everybody's got to take it, so you can get your license to practice. Well, the boys are saying it's just for colored doctors. Well, you can tell the boys it's for all doctors. I bet they laid it on you. No more than anybody else. They don't even ask your name. They give you a number. They look at your number. They know. They got ways of knowing. Oh, why don't you quit. Dots Johnson there and uh, Sidney Poitier in a clip from the 1950 movie No Way Out. Stephen Bendick with me this evening, uh, this evening, remembering the life and work of Sidney Poitier. That's a very interesting clip. It's two black actors. And, you know, the, the I suppose if you were to put the equivalent of the Bechdel test yes. regarding, you know, it's often it's obviously it's a thing about um, Representation women, w- of women, women in, in films. films. If you were to put that type of test on that clip, how would it
1: fare? well, the brilliant thing is that they 're talking without a white person present to, uh, to begin with and they 're alluding to the injustices of both of them and how they face how they face that those injustices together, but also how they 're going to face them separately and differently because um because doth Johnson plays the intern the oh, sorry the orderly. And Sidney Poitier is the doctor. He's aspiring to be a doctor. So mm. they're both trying to challenge the system from different ways. Just as, you know, and I'm glad you mentioned the Bechtel test because that is the way, you know, women are under or misrepresented in the film because the assumption for a long time is that all women do is talk about men, even when men aren't present. And so we have here is our two men talking about careers.
0: Yeah. That's it and not, and, and not referring Well they do refer to white men In the midst of that But that's It's, it's, it's it, an illusion. Yeah. They allude to it Yeah, yeah. exactly Let's listen to what Poitier had to say No actually I, I'll come back to that Because it it, it, it strikes me That, that Bechdale test I saw another clip today Of Poitier t- Talking Getting very annoyed At a press conference mm. with, with the press For constantly asking him About the fact that he was a black actor Yeah um, he, he wanted them to, to see him as more than just a black actor. Well, I think he was taking up Dr.
1: Martin Luther King's great refrain. The, you know, we look forward to the day that a person is not judged on the color of the skin, with mm. the content or the character. And it's a little bit like um, you know Jane Campion talking. Will you ever stop mentioning, please? Then, when the first and the only woman to have won the Palm Door, now she's no longer the, the only woman to have won the Palm Door. But the thing is, you've got to look beyond that to sort of to normalise the achievement, as opposed to contextualise it yeah. within their gender or their, their ethnicity. Uh,
0: in the heat of the night. Uh, explain the character that he's playing here, and then I'll play the clip. Well, he plays uh, um, Virgil
1: Tibbs. He's a de- he's um, a detective, and he just so happens to be passing through the South, the deep deep South, and he's waiting for a connecting train. And it just so happens that a murder takes place in the deep ta- deep South town, and he's hauled in on the immediate assumption that because he's black and he's got four hundred dollars in his wallet, he must have comm- he must have committed this crime.
0: Right, and, and there, be warned, there is a, obviously a, a reference within this clip uh, from, from the white police officer, but it's Paper necessary with, in terms yes. of uh, the very important line that Virgin yes. Tibbs has immediately afterwards. Well, when I examined the deceased, it was obvious that the fatal blow was struck from an angle of 17 degrees from the right, which makes it almost certain the person who did it is right-handed. So what? Old oh, left-handed, Chief. Everybody in town, knows that. Yeah, uh, that, that's what we figured out, Chief. Uh, Harvey's a lefty, uh-huh. Well, you're pretty sure of yourself, ain't you, Virgil? Uh, Virgil, that's a funny name for a nigga boy that comes from Philadelphia. What do they call you up there? They call me Mr. Tibbs. Mr. Tibbs? Well, Mr. Wood, take Mr. Tibbs! Take him down to the depot, and I mean boy like now! Sidney Poitier there in a scene from In the Heat of the Night. You were going to say something yeah, as we were listening to I that, said, Stephen. It was the
1: first time I saw Sydney Poitier on screen. I was watching the movie, I think it was about 13, on television. And now I wouldn't have understood the cultural significance of calling me Mr Tibbs, but mm. the delivery and the close-up on his face, I said to my... Even then as a 13-year-old, I said, that's an important line. I don't know why, but the delivery has really impacted. And as a kid my friends, we would say to each other, they call me... Right, <laughs> whatever Mr. Whatever, whatever.
0: <laughs> Mr. Benedict. Yeah. But in the, uh, in the case of They Call Me Mr. Tibbs, not only was it an important line in, in The Heat of the Night, it became the title of the sequel. Uh, That's correct. 1970, That's They, That's they C- Call C- Me <laughs> Mr. Tibbs. And then later on in the movie, um, he,
1: it's, he's conducting an investigation with Rod Steiger and um, a white man con- in, insults him and smacks him and Sidney Potter smacked him back.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know. So these are great mo- iconic moments, extraordinary moments yeah. in in terms of in terms of uh, theater and film. Obviously, I think for a lot of people, "Guess Who's Coming to Dinner" will be the one they will remember. We heard a great clip from it on on Drive Time just before mm. we came to where That again, even that, the story that was told in that play was hugely important in that film.
1: Yeah, and again, it was written or produced and directed by Stanley Kramer, and so he plays a young man who's brought home to dinner by a white girl, sorry, a white lady to her. White parents played by Catherine Hepburn and, and Spencer Tracy. And the casting is very important because the, Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn would have represented the older generation. Yeah. And that was the same year as you said of, uh, in the heat of the night. And so, in 1967 was a huge landmark watershed year because of the onset of the civil rights movement, and you got the counterculture movement in the United States, and you also got women's liberation. And that all came to the came to the front forefront in Guess, mm. Guess Who's Coming to there. Personally, I don't think it's that great a movie. I think I know its its significance, but as a film, as a
0: piece of film, it hasn't travelled that well. But it, it's, it's the not significance of the piece that's yeah. probably more important. Tell me a bit about the Defiant Ones. I have a clip from that. The Defiant Ones, yeah. Now
1: back again again to Stanley Kramer. Stanley Kramer wanted uh, Poitier to, to play the lead and he was so keen on whole, um, Poitier playing the lead that he actually delayed production. And he had Marlon Brand to play opposite uh, Sidney Poitier in uh, the Defiant Ones. But because he delayed the production, Brand was then committed to another picture and had to go, go off. So they they cast Tony Curtis opposite uh, Sydney Poitier mm. now the thing was t- so Tony Curtis then insisted that Sidney Poitier play e- share equal billing above the title and to my knowledge it's the very very first time that a black American actor was given that by a Hollywood student now here's the great thing Tony Curtis himself again was a Jewish, car- Jewish actor and so he was saying look I understand what it is to grow up in New York and to suffer the prejudices and, the- and bigotry so I'm reaching out my hand here and let's the two of us share the title billing together above the, of the movie
0: Alright uh, let's have a listen to a clip and so he's changed Sydney Party has actually changed. They're handcuffed. To Sorry, yes, they're their in the deep south and
1: they're handcuffed together. They've broken away from the chain gang and they're on the run. What's the matter? You afraid of catching my color? You picking a hand of me? To you, the big shot taker?
0: You're nothing. You're just a talker. Go on, tell me all that big talk about Charlie Potatoes when the chains off and nobody chasing you. Come on, you can't, can you? You can't because you're nothing. You're not even a man, you're a monkey on a stick. That cracker mob back there, they pulled a string and you jumped. You said one day we were going to tangle, Joker. You said the time was going to come. And that time is now. That's Tony Curtis and Sidney Poitier there in a scene from The Defiant Ones. And let's just listen to a clip of Poitier himself talking about that film. The Defiant Ones grew out of the times, couldn't possibly have grown out of what was Hollywood at that time. Hollywood at that time was Mm -hmm. so far distanced from the fact of The Defiant Ones. But there was a filmmaker, Stanley Kramer, he was quite a remarkable personality, a wonderful filmmaker who had a vision of himself and a vision of our country and a vision of the industry. And it was a personal choice of his to articulate himself as an artist. So Hollywood was lucky to have him in its midst. Sidney Poitier there. Uh, Finally, Stephen Benedict. Uh, The the legacy here goes beyond acting.
1: Yeah, and he was a U.S. ambassador to honoured by the Kennedy's Honours Centre. And as I said to you, he, tired, he campaigned tirelessly to against poverty to improve education and health care for
0: people of
1: minorities and in, born into destitution. That was really his greatest life's
0: work. Thanks for doing that for us this evening. Uh, Stephen Benedict speaking to us about Sidney Poitier, whose death was announced earlier today.